0: my friends. Welcome to this inaugural edition of Corbett Report Radio, and I am your host, James Corbett, here for the very first episode of this Corbett Report Radio series, and I am broadcasting to you today from my palatial home studios here in the sunny climes of western Japan. Yes, that's right, I'm coming to you via the wonders of the internet, all the way from the land of the rising sun. And I am coming to you today via the auspices of the Republic Broadcasting Network at republicbroadcasting.org. And, of course, uh, Republic Broadcasting's very own KHFX 1140 AM out of Dallas-Fort Worth. So a very special welcome to all of the listeners out there, wherever, whenever, and however you might be listening to my voice right now in this wonderful digital age in which we can... Really send our voice all around the world. It's an amazing time to be alive in a lot of ways. So I'm very happy to be here with you today. And if you are listening live, it's 11 p.m. Central Time. That's 12 midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. in my home and native mountain time. And over here in the land of the rising sun, it is one in the afternoon on November 1st. So I can give you a report from the future that everything is bright and sunny over here today and things are looking a okay at least for today, or at least I hope so. And of course, this is the first ever broadcast of Corbett Report Radio, so I would like to give a special welcome to all of the listeners who are listening to me for the first time, and of course to all the listeners from Rick Adams Uncensored who might be listening over into Corbett Report Radio. Uh, Welcome, thank you so much for joining me, and my inclination, the type of person I am, I would like to get, straight into the news because there is so much going on all over the world of such incredible importance we have u.s. halts unesco funding over palestinian vote which nexus is into the whole israeli palestinian tangle at the un which is just another harbinger of bad things to come from the middle east we have cia other spy agencies spent 54.6 billion dollars in secret for 2011 And I think the only thing surprising about that is that we have any sort of number on those figures and who can trust them anyway. We have EU moles biometric borders. We have soda consumption linked to teen violence study finds and many other stories besides. But perhaps that's putting the cart before the horse, because I'm sure that most of you probably are not familiar with me or what I'm doing or why I'm here right now. So I suppose some introductions are in order today. And I guess we'll start off with a little bit of that. And as I say, I'm reticent to start with an introduction of myself, because this program is not about me, it's not about my ego, it's not about anything to do with, with me or, or you as individuals. It's about us as a civilization and where we are and where we're headed and what we can do to really prevent the type of cataclysmic disaster that we all see coming down the pike in so many different ways. I suppose some biographical details might help, because you might be be wondering why I am here in Japan and why I am coming to you today. So, I should start off by telling you that I am a Canadian who moved out to Japan several years ago. I've been living and working here for several years, and about four years ago, I started CorbettReport.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T-Report.com which was really the beginning initial initial impetus behind all of what you're hearing and seeing and coming out through very many different media uh, in this uh, wonderful internet age that we live in from Corbett Report, and Corbett Report Radio is just the latest addition to that, but if you are interested in finding out about some of my previous work, you can of course go to CorbettReport.com, and we'll pick it up from there when we come back after the break. But as I say, we're going to get into some introductions today. We're going to be opening up the phone lines a little bit later. So thank you once again for joining in. Welcome back, my friends. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. As I say, I am your host, James Corbett, and I am broadcasting to you from Western Japan as we speak. And, of course, there are many, many things going on all around the world, and being in Western Japan, one of the foremost on my mind is, of course, the ongoing nuclear crisis at Fukushima Daiichi, the nuclear power plant that was stricken by the 311 earthquake and tsunami here in Japan and has... Since been spewing out nauseous, toxic, radioactive substances into the atmosphere and leaking them into the ocean in unprecedented levels, as more and more scientific studies are showing. But uh, but before we get into all of that type of nasty news, um, maybe I should, as I say, introduce myself and some of my websites, because as I introduced in the first segment, we I do have CorbettReport.com where you can follow. Basically, all of the media that I've been putting out the last four and a half years. But there are other websites as well that I maintain, including uh, FukushimaUpdate.com, the newest website in the corporate report arsenal, which looks at uh, the Fukushima crisis and gives daily updates of basically every single news story I can find all around the web. So it's a great source of all over information, and uh, I think a great roundup of information that I don't know of any other website that, that does quite that much in terms of collecting all the information on Fukushima. So, if you're interested in the, the gradual poisoning of most of the northern, northern hemisphere, I would suggest FukushimaUpdate.com as a place to go for that. I also run ClimateGate.tv, which was set up obviously in the wake of the ClimateGate scandal. the 2009 climate uh, change scandal in which the University of East Anglia's internal emails and documents were leaked out by an anonymous whistleblower and exposed a lot of the collusion and collaboration going on in the shadowy world of climate science. Uh, It sounds almost ridiculous until you actually start researching it. And so ever since then, I've been posting updates, uh, news and information coming out about the ongoing global warming scam. I also have al qaeda does not which is the homepage for a documentary that I started in late 2008, early 2009, about the sham of al-Qaeda, and how uh, that, that fiction that was really invented um, by the U.S. government has been used as an excuse to take more and more of our rights. That is an ongoing documentary project, but it hasn't been added to in quite a while, And I also have a website for my forthcoming book, Reportage, which is a book that I'm working on and have been working on for years and will continue working on until it's done. So I'm afraid I can't give any more firm timeline for the release of that book than that. But as I say, the number one website to go to is CorbettReport.com, and there you'll be introduced to my podcast, my interviews, my articles, my videos that I've been creating, conducting, producing, and uh, editing together for the last Four years now, and it's been quite a remarkable ride, really, from there to here. But I suppose I should start from the beginning, as everyone wants to know about the biographical details and the background of the people that they're listening to, and I think not without some cause. So let me start by saying, as I said at the beginning, I am a Canadian. I was born and raised in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains in beautiful Calgary, Alberta. And I still think, for my money, the Rocky Mountains are the most beautiful place on the entire planet that I've traveled to in my many travels around the world so far. Uh, so I, I always hearken back to there, and that will always be my home and native land. And I grew up and I was born and raised there. Uh, my parents are from England, so I had a bit of British upbringing and background, but I, I was always born and raised and lived in Canada. And uh, I lived there my whole life, and I ended up going to college in my hometown of Calgary, University of Calgary, and studied English literature. And after that, I spent a year and a half working at a property management office in downtown Calgary, managing uh, the commercial Skyrise properties. And, And basically, I was the front desk gopher doing a little bit of everything. It was a great experience, a great opportunity to learn a little bit about that uh, that interesting world of commercial property management and, and all of the things related to that, and it did give me a bit of grounding in the real world after all of that highfalutin education that I'd been exposed to or indoctrinated with all my life. And then I, after that, I, I saved up all my pennies during that uh, that period, and I, I saved up enough to actually go to Dublin, Ireland, to study... Uh, y- irish literature at the uh, university of college i uh, sorry university of dublin trinity college and i did that for a year and uh, earned, earned a master's degree while i was there so that was an incredible experience and uh i don't remember much about the education but the the bars and the drinking were great no, no no well in all seriousness it was a beautiful beautiful country and i enjoyed my time there very very much but it was extremely expensive so it was one day on campus at the end of my uh year-long master's degree program that i managed to run into a friend completely by accident who just suggested that he was going to look up possibility of teaching english in asia and be fancying myself a bit of a world traveler and wanting to see more of the world and never having been to asia i thought that's a pretty good way of making money and traveling so it was that soon enough i was uh using the internet to find my next job out here in japan and that was uh i guess probably eight years ago now that I was looking for that job, and then seven years ago I actually arrived on the shores of the land of the rising sun to start my new life as an English teacher, which of course was only going to be for one year, of course, only one year. But somehow it ended up being a little bit more than one year. And here I am seven years later, I'm still living in Japan. I have a wonderful Japanese wife and many friends here, and I very much like Japan and many things about Japan and Japanese culture that obviously compel me to stay here. And uh, it's, of course, very difficult to watch what's happening with Fukushima and knowing that uh, that this great country and these great people are being so horribly affected by what's going on. But uh, I guess moving away from the biographical background, it was about four, four and a half years ago that I moved into the Corbett Report and started producing CorbettReport.com. And the reason that I did that, well, it, ultimately it comes down to uh, just the chance happening of managing to get an internet connection in my home and suddenly encountering things like YouTube and uh, and Google Video and things that just hadn't existed before when I first had the internet. So it was like a great new discovery for me, and like a kid unwrapping presents on Christmas morning, I got right into it and started delving into the types of political subjects that I've always been interested in, but never really been able to just research uh, to my heart's content like that before. And it was not long before I started encountering information about 9-11 truth and the, the real truth behind the economy and other things that really opened my eyes to what's going on in the world. And after that, as they say, there's no turning back. So here I am all these years later, and I've been thinking to myself about what would be a good mission statement for this radio show that you're listening to right now, as this is our first ever edition of Corbett Report Radio, it should start off with something, some kind of some kind of statement of why I'm here or why you should be listening to me and why we should be learning together here every day, day in and day out, every weekday at this time. What is the point of investing our time in this? And I've been thinking about this for a long time. And I think ultimately it boils down to two words. And these two words are inseparable. They're different sides of the same equation. And if you take one of them out of context, it unbalances the equation and everything falls apart. So you have to put them together. The two words are outrage and conviction. Outrage is one of the things that prompted me to start the Corbett Report in the first place, and there are a number of things that outrage me. That we are expected to believe that 19 men, armed with box cutters and directed by a man on dialysis in a cave fortress halfway around the world, committed the most sophisticated penetration of the most heavily defended airspace in the world, managing to knock down three buildings with two airplanes and fly their jumbo jets through corkscrew turns that, that combat-trained airline pilots say they couldn't perform nine times out of ten under the most ideal conditions is outrageous. That we are expected to believe that the ongoing meltdown of the world economy concocted by well connected banksters and their cronies in government, which they've long since bought and paid for, is going to be solved by giving the banksters more control over the world economy, is outrageous. That we are expected to sign ourselves, our children, and the future productivity of the world for generations to come into servitude. To pay carbon indulgences to scammers and schemers like Al Gore and his Enron fraudster buddies to mitigate the effects of a global warming that is no longer happening to mean a supposed to maintain a supposed ideal temperature and carbon dioxide level that has been chosen completely arbitrarily is outrageous that we are expected to sit idly by while authorities who rule over us implement biometric scanners and homeland security checkpoints and flying police drone tasers. If you don't believe me on that, just wait until we get into today's news. But the flying police drone tasers and all the other technologies in the name of a terrorist boogeyman threat that turns out in the government's own documents to be returning veterans and gun owners and Ron Paul supporters is outrageous. That we are expected to look the other way when the most wealthy and influential people in the world gather in complete secrecy under a complete media blackout at the site of the Bilderberg Conference every single year, is outrageous. That we are expected to believe that Gary Webb, the man who exposed CIA drug running in the 1980s with his Dark Alliance series in the San Jose Mercury News, committed suicide before completing his magnum opus on the issue by shooting himself twice in the head. Or that the DC madam hanged herself before exposing any of the high-stakes political players on her high-class call-girl clientele list after having told people that she would never commit suicide or that UK government whistleblower Dr. David Kelly died of a small wound to his left wrist and a couple of undigested pills after having told people that there were dark forces at play and he would be found dead in the woods is outrageous that we are expected to believe that the single greatest warmonger in American history the man currently occupying the Oval Office is worthy of a Nobel Peace Prize or that he would bring us some magical hope and change if only Congress would work with him or that he is a good intentioned man who just has to play ball with the system is outrageous that is the outrage but the other side of this is the conviction and as I say if you don't understand the outrage without the conviction then the equation doesn't balance and nothing makes sense so when we come back from this break let's get into conviction that drives us forward and I'll give out the call in number so that you can join in on today's program
1: No shoes, ain't got no money, ain't got no class,
0: ain't got no Alright, no welcome style. back, friends. This ain't is James Corbett. No you are listening to Corbett Report Radio, the first ever broadcast here on Republic Broadcasting at republicbroadcasting.org. And so I'd like to welcome you all back to this very special inaugural edition of our program. And thank you all once again for taking the time to join me tonight. And if you would like to get in on the program, you can call in. It's 1-800-313-9443. Number again, 1-800-313-9443. We can get you up and on the air because no one wants to just hear me rambling to myself all evening. But having said that, before the break, we were talking about the things that motivate me to do this in the first place and the things that drive me to continue bringing this information to you. We went through the outrage. The outrage is what drives many of us into this type of information in the first place, isn't it? When we start to discover all of the tricks that they use to control the system from top to bottom, including the privately owned Federal Reserve, which lends the money into existence at, at of course, uh, interest that is owed back to the banksters who control the system. Or when we learn about all of the tricks and uh, vagaries and all of the things that have been done to... Try to convince people of the boogeyman terrorist threat, or when we learn about all the people who have tried to blow the whistle on all of the various things that are going on in the world around us who end up committing suicide under mysterious circumstances, or all of the other various outrages, that often motivates us to get into this information and to start spreading it to others. But as I say, it's a two-variable a two equation, and if you don't have both variables, you're not going to be able to balance things out. And outrage is only one half of what drives us on and what should motivate us to continue doing this work. Because it's not outrage alone that will get us to where we want where we want to be. If we are just outraged at everything, then we have no solutions for what's going on. We're just reacting to what's happening. So the other side of outrage is conviction. Because there are certain things that I am absolutely convinced about that I think are important to impor- impart to you as part of what drives me to do what I'm doing. It is my conviction that people who do care about real issues, despite a lifetime of programming in lowest common denominator mind rot distraction on their television mind-control devices, can become motivated to come to an understanding of the system that's enslaving them by dedicating themselves to the task of learning the true history that has been suppressed. It is my conviction that when people start to come to that understanding, they will be motivated and impelled to spread that information to others. And it is my conviction that when enough people are informed and motivated, we will be able to change the system, piece by piece, and to rid ourselves of the psychopaths who have been in control of our world for decades, if not generations, if not centuries, if not millennia. Because ultimately, it is my conviction that the evil that we are facing as a community, as a society, as a civilization, as a species, whether you call it the bankster oligarchy or the New World Order or the shadow government or the Illuminati or any other label you want to apply to it, it can and will be defeated by free humanity. So that's what compels me to come to you each and every day and try to bring you the information that I find important And I'm not perfect, and I'm not here on a pedestal, and I'm not saying that uh, that I have all the solutions, but I really do hope that I can help impart some of the knowledge that you will find useful in constructing a more accurate map of reality, because I think that's ultimately what we're engaged in. If we don't have an accurate map of the reality that surrounds us, how are we ever going to get to where we want to be as a society? And the answer is, we're not. So, unfortunately, there is a lot of... Unfortunately, bad news to go over, as always. So we'll start getting into a bit of that. I see the phone lines are lighting up, so after the next break, we will get to some of your calls. But first, let's just dip into some of the the very interesting news we have going on in this world on this Halloween evening, October 31st, 2011. We have U.S. halts UNESCO funding over Palestinian vote. This comes from Reuters, but it's via blacklistednews.com. And it says the United States said on Monday it had stopped funding UNESCO... The UN Cultural Agency following its vote to grant the Palestinians full membership. And it goes on to talk about State Department spokeswoman Victoria Newland telling reporters that because of U.S. laws that were passed in the 90s, Washington just can't make their planned $60 million transfer that's due in November. And this is really just political charade and theater that's going on to distract us from what this is really telling us, because the fact that the Palestinian state has now finally received full membership in UNESCO really doesn't mean anything uh, on a world stage, except for the fact that this is the beginning of a process that, at this point, seems pretty inevitable, that Palestine will suddenly be actually be recognized as a full member of the UN General Assembly and it remains to be seen exactly how this is going to happen or how it will play out. But the fact that this is taking place at all is really a testament to the incredible hypocrisy that has held sway, sway in that region for so long with the U.S. propping up uh, the Israeli state and uh, and basically allowing Israel to function in, in there as the world's sixth largest nuclear superpower, although shh, you can't tell anyone that Israel has nuclear weapons. It's a secret, which everybody knows about and has known about for decades and has been well-documented, and as I've gone over in a recent video report myself. But somehow we're asked to believe that Israel is supposed to be scared witless of the Iranian threat and the fact that one day they might be able to develop one nuclear weapon. Just unbelievably, oh, fearsome, isn't it? Well, just another part of the unfolding charade at the U.N., but which we'll be keeping our eye on. But right now, let's go to break, and we'll come back with some of your calls.
2: You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
0: Hey friends, welcome back to Corbett Report Radio and this is our first ever edition of Corbett Report Radio and I'm happy to say that the lines are almost full up. There's only one space for one more caller, so if you want to get in on today's conversation, it's 1-800-313-9443. But right now I see we have an international caller all the way from the UK, so I'm honoured to have you on the line. Patrick, how are you doing today?
1: Fine, thank you very much. Uh, it's uh, extremely late here, so I'm afraid I'm probably not going to be a regular caller on your show in the future much um, but yes, I just thought you'd like to hear from you know someone, you, you have English ancestry and whatever and uh, I can relate to everything really that you're saying, I, I do listen to some of the other uh, speakers on this network, you know, John Statmeller earlier on and uh, and Robbie Noel and things like that um, yes, I'm aware of all the things that you mentioned, I had a quick look at your website and glad you got the climate thing up there, Lord Christopher Monkton obviously I've heard speak, you know, quite a lot uh, very, very um, expert on that subject, exposing the, the scam. Gosh, uh, there's so many different things that we could speak about. Uh, you've got full lines, so you, know, you obviously need to give time to the others. But uh, well, let me just yeah. say
0: thank you so much for taking the time to call because I know it must be uh, very, very late uh, in the UK right now. But perhaps you can tell us what's uh, what's happening in the UK these days and uh, how well, the Cameron government the is moment. working out for you.
1: At the moment, as you know, one of the stepping stones. To creating this uh, global authority, uh, obviously they're using several. They're using this false environmental thing. They're using the, eco- the economics of our banking and political systems, particularly the, the Ponzi banking scheme, to collapse things into the hands of the international banking cartel, etc. But obviously, one of the ways they're also doing it is, as I say, politically, is through the, these union blocks they're creating throughout the world. You've got the North American Union um, surreptitiously signed, and it always starts off a free trade, and it goes to political union. And one of the things that we've got here in this country is this false left-right paradigm like there is in the United States uh, and and presumably Canada. It doesn't matter which party you vote for. They're all controlled by the same people behind the scenes. And our parties are all controlled by Bilderberg. And and interestingly enough, that when the establishment gets challenged enough about the existence of a covert group, they have to start coming out to admit that it does exist. Like there was an article published in The Economist magazine all about the... um, Bilderberg uh, group back in February. I yeah, saw that. In fact, it,
0: I'm one it, of the commenters on that article, and I was calling them out for the fact that they haven't been uh, covering this in years past, and now that they finally have to admit it, it's suddenly a great thing that we have this secret meeting, which is always the way they introduce new things to us, because they always try to say, oh, it doesn't exist, it doesn't exist, it doesn't exist, but finally when it exists and they finally have to admit it exists, it's a great thing, and we should have been wanting it all along. Yes, and
1: the, but they play it down. Yes, but it's only a think tank, but not with no. Foreign policy, but I know for we know for a fact that the, the 1989 Spotlight magazine leaked a report from a mole from, a, from the coverage of the year from that year, uh, where, where they were very very concerned about Margaret Thatcher's Bruges speech that she turned against the European Union, and they were apparently people, key people at that meeting were ordered to, accept, to politically get rid of her. Of course, the following year she was gone from office. So we know that they do set foreign policy, but also I know Blair was there actually,
0: shortly before he became prime minister as well, and Clinton was there shortly before he became president, and many other politicians besides, including uh, Canada's very own Stephen Harper.
1: Yeah, and I'd watched the Obama Deception and uh, the Fall of the Republic, some of AJ's films, which are very good, I think. Uh, but also our politicians are in- influenced by all these other very sinister. Uh, think tanks. We've got common. We've got common purpose, which is a very very sinister organisation, which which works like a, a, a government department. Well, it's a charity that's really a government department. We've got the Tavistock Group, Demos, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, promoting a new world order on their website. You know that's known as Chatham House. So it doesn't matter who you vote for. They, it doesn't. There's this huge gulf between the political elite. They at any cost they will keep us in this European Union thing, which is Checking our power and sovereignty, it's...
0: it's exactly just, right. And unfortunately, we saw that in Ireland with the uh, the absolutely shameful way that they treated the Irish people with the Lisbon Treaty vote, making them vote again and again until they yeah. got it right. So unfortunately, that is the way it functions. And I, th- I fear that you're right. There is really no political recourse in a system that's uh, governed behind the scenes by all these think tanks. But I am um, th- definitely very much interested in common purpose. I've been doing some research on them. And I hope to be putting out some some reports on them in the future. So if you have any links to interesting information about them, feel free to send it in through uh, through the have contact seen, form on CorbettReport.com.
1: Have you seen the expose videos on them? Uh, what's his name? Jerry, oh, what's his name now? There's a guy who used to be in the Royal Navy, who's exposed them quite a lot. And also I have a um, feeling I know what
0: you're talking about. I haven't watched it yet, but it's on my w- to-watch list. So I'm I'm going to be taking a look at that. But uh, but certainly um, it's one of a, the organizations. One final interested. question.
1: Well, on the final question, obviously talk about stage false flag terror. Have you ever seen the video um, 7-7 Ripple about our London bombing incident? Yes, I have. It's amazing, isn't it? That guy was acquitted. That guy was put on uh, He trail. was acquitted, yeah. I had
0: him on my program to talk about that. Uh, one 7-7 uh, oh. seven, seven video that I always uh, recommend is Seeds of Deconstruction by uh, Tom Secker, who's an independent filmmaker there, who's doing incredible work on 7-7. Seven, seven. He also just released a brand-new documentary <clears throat> on 7-7, seven, seven, the name of which escapes me right off the top of my head, which is embarrassing because I just interviewed him about it a couple of months ago, but it's uh, another excellent, excellent work. So just uh, search for Tom Secker on YouTube. Um, he's been Tom doing Secker. some... Yes, absolutely. And if you uh, see, we did a one-hour interview with him that's up on uh, YouTube with my GRTV work. So I, I definitely recommend Tom Secker as a great source of information on Seven. And uh, with that, I think we'll have to let you go. There's a lot of people on the line, but Patrick, thank I you so know. much well, for listening.
2: Thanks. thanks, James.
0: All right, excellent. All right, Patrick, thank you for listening. And uh, let's move on to my home and native land of Canada, and in fact, my home and native province of Alberta. And we have on the line CJ. CJ, are you there?
3: Hi, James? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on uh, your new show. I'm looking forward to it.
0: As am I. As am I. <laughs> What's on your mind tonight?
3: I'm just switching phones anyway. I see. Can you hear me better now?
0: I can hear you loud and clear.
3: Sure. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, I first became familiar with you uh, through hearing you interview uh, uh, Professor uh, at the University, Barry Cooper.
0: Ah, yes, my old confrontation with uh, Barry Cooper of the Bohemian Grove Society. Yeah,
3: Yeah, I found that really uh, interesting the way you drew him out on that and uh, anyway uh, I'm very interested in in our uh, in our government in Canada here uh, with Stephen Harper I uh, he's kind of a mysterious guy I I, uh, he's yeah, you mentioned that he had been a
0: Bilderberg attendee. Bilderberg attendee, and in fact, um, as I mentioned in that interview with Barry Cooper, Barry Cooper was uh, an old fishing and camping buddy with uh, Stephen Harper, so I did ask whether he'd ever taken Stephen to the Grove as one of his guests, but he said he hadn't, <laughs> and who knows if that's really true, but interesting. Yeah. Anyway.
3: Well, how much, do you think Stephen Harper is in in deep in, in with the globalists? Or is he just i imagine gone? that he's
0: I, I imagine that no one could be prime minister for six years or whatever it is now without having um, committed himself to to the and signed on to the globalist agenda in some form and uh again it's from the conservative side so it's from the right side of the spectrum so there are certain things which are maybe uh, better than what we would find with a liberal government but ultimately it's uh, it's just leading in the same direction at the end of the day and i uh I don't, I don't know a lot of people who are doing uh, work on the, the Canadian, specifically the Canadian side of the whole New World Order system, so I'm always open to, to suggestions, and I hope to have a lot of guests on in the future to talk about those types of things. So if people have ideas or suggestions, get in touch with me through CorbettReport.com, and I'm always happy to, to talk about my home and native land and the uh, the unfortunate slide towards the, uh, the government, uh, the North American government, and eventually the world government.
3: How do you feel about this? 15 million, that, uh, or it's actually 50 million, but uh, Harper uh, has uh, committed us to 15 million of that for uh, polio vaccines the eradication.
0: Yeah, I haven't read too much about that story specifically, but uh, but certainly it does seem like uh, vaccines have always been um, the preferred method for the eugenicists, and uh, an admitted one. You can go and read the actual Rockefeller uh, Foundation documents talking about how they'll slip um, certain sterilants and things into vaccines. Um, it's not it's not uh, hidden, so we always have to be wary of that uh, that um, method or vector of introducing things into our society. And then, of course, you can always expose the things like uh, the people who get the swine flu shots are more likely to get flu in the future and things like that, just little little niggly details that uh, that's the other side of the debate doesn't like are, to look at, but, uh, but certainly you, that is worrying. Are you
3: familiar with the history of polio, uh,
0: James? Vaguely, but uh, but if you have uh, some firmer details, fill us in.
3: Well, I, I was on a website called uh, Backlib.org. They have a, quite an extensive uh, story on how poli- or, uh, DDT was used during the Second World War, and then there was a quite a surplus of it after the Second World War. And uh, so it was one, like private enterprise wanted to get this DDT out on the market for spraying dairy barns and crops and whatever, bed bugs, whatever it could be used for. And it worked terrifically, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. except some people believe that the overuse of DDT actually caused polio-like symptoms. And that's when they actually took it off the market is when uh, calves in dairy barns were getting polio-like symptoms. And then they took mm-hmm. DDT off the market and, and polio dropped drastically, the, the, the epidemic uh uh, decreased and that was the same time that sock came out with his vaccine so sock got the
0: got, got the credit uh, for the declining yeah, polio but, rates interesting yeah. well i have heard part of that story but not all of it so i'll go to vaclib.org to check that out so thank you for the tip and cj we got a lot of callers on the line okay so well let you go I, there, but congratulations thank you
3: for, and i'm looking forward to your show
0: me too well thank you for keeping the faith there in alberta and uh, call in anytime. All right, so, so let's move along to Idaho, where we have Jeff on the line. Jeff, are you there?
2: Uh, hi, James, can you hear me?
0: Yes, I can.
2: Hi, uh, I've loved your reporting uh, as much as I've seen it. Uh, I just uh, I sent you an email on the uh, U.S. Secretary of Defense, William Cohen, 1997, uh, electromagnetic terrorism and uh, remote volcano and electromagnetic wave generation by terrorists. Uh, I was wondering if you'd heard of uh, the... Uh, the researcher who goes by the um, alias uh, Jim Stone at jimstonefreelance.com?
0: I have seen his work, yeah.
2: Right. Do, do you have any comments on the, uh, the the Demona Dozen and the Fukushima 50 uh, reporting?
0: From what I've seen, I was not uh, convinced by that that reporting, and uh, I'm, I'm open to being convinced on that subject and every other subject, but I just didn't see a lot of uh, firm details to, to link the two events, and I think there is definitely a fruitful avenue of, uh, of investigation with Fukushima and looking at obviously the Stuxnet, which we know was in, uh, was engineered by the U.S. and Israel uh, working right. together. That's been reverse engineered and it's been confirmed in mainstream sources. You can even go to TED talks and watch people talking about it. So I know that the uh, we now live in an era of nuclear power plant sabotage, and that is something that we have to be looking at, especially now that they're uh, they're telling us that uh, that. Uh, Apparently, the meltdown at Fukushima started, or the problems at Fukushima started before the tsunami. So either there was some earthquake damage, or there was things going on. So I think there is a lot to investigate there. I just personally wasn't convinced by what I saw. Um, well, I, I would
2: study. I would study the graphics on the earthquake reports uh, because I think they are the telling item where the other technology is really buried. Like uh, you know, having the stuck net uh, close the butterfly valves, you know, to uh, you know, to, to bring along the meltdown. And, you know, the, the most important thing that I think is important is that number four being unfueled, the photos of that, and then the uh, explosive generation that occurred, you know, those those two don't mix, no matter what you do with it.
0: Right. Well, it is, it is very important. I think people should be looking into that. And, uh, and as I say, I'm trying to put up all the new news as it breaks on FukushimaUpdate.com, but if, uh, if people have interesting articles or editorials on, of that nature, send them in, and um, and I'll take a look. And, right, well, uh, that, that
2: that's all ties in with this Palestinian thing that you brought up earlier. That's mm. why I wanted to uh, shoot it in. But uh, I really appreciate you being on the air, and uh, thank you for your time.
0: Well, thank you very much, and, uh, and let's uh, move along. I think uh, Tom from BC has just dropped, so let's go to Shannon in Houston, Texas. Shannon, are you there?
4: Hi, Dan. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, I can. Go ahead.
4: I just wanted to call and thank you for everything you do. Um, I've been listening to the Corbett Report for a few years now. And, uh, Excellent. I wanted well, it's to, great to have
0: you uh, have you here, so thank you for joining us tonight as well.
4: Absolutely. I'm at work, and I was just I wanted to tell people you can do civil disobedience things just by listening to your MP3 while you're at work, getting educated by James, listening to uh, things like Tragedy and Hope, donating uh, 100 yen you Like your program on your site. I don't know if you went over that, but
0: well I'm, I'm too modest to plug that myself but uh but i thank you for doing that well i yeah. i agree i think not only myself obviously but all of the uh the people putting out such great work like tragedy and hope and uh and media monarchy and all of the other sites that i'm lucky enough to be affiliated with doing such great work to inform people of what's really going on and as you say that's a form of civil disobedience that's mental civil dis- disobedience Absolutely. by rejecting the corporate uh the corporate pablum that they try to feed us through the, the mainstream Absolutely. media so so my hats off to you for pointing that out
4: Thank you. That's about all I have. I just wanted to really uh, press that your work that you do is amazing, and people need to support you to keep you on doing what
0: you do. Well, and thank you awesome so much tonight. for that, and I certainly hope that you can continue listening and and hopefully calling in uh, when you when you're able uh, from Houston, Texas, is when you're at work. What are you doing yeah. tonight?
1: I
4: work for Walmart. I am stocking dairy shelves, much like uh, James Cappelato at
0: uh, Media Monarchy*. That's right. He works in a grocery store out in yeah. Portland. Yeah. Excellent. Well, it's good to know you can do mental liber- liberation while you work. Absolutely. I don't know if it makes as catchy a song as "Whistle While You Work," but it's probably better <laughs> word, so. all right, Shannon. Thank you so much for the call, thank and thank you, you for uh, for all your support.
4: Thank
0: you. All right. Okay. Excellent. Well, Shannon from Houston and. Tom from BC, who we didn't get to talk to, and Jeff from Idaho, CJ from Alberta, Patrick from UK. Lots of callers tonight. That's excellent. And, of course, I'm always happy to take your calls. And uh, in the coming days, actually, we're probably going to be featuring a bunch of guests. I have a bunch of guests lined up for this week anyway. So uh, when we have guests on, obviously, I'd prefer if you had guest, uh, guest-specific calls. But let's just run through some of the people that we're going to be having on this week. Uh, for example, tomorrow night, uh, we're going to be having Joshua Blakeney, who uh, is a person from from uh actually alberta and uh, he's uh a canadian researcher who's been writing and uh, researching about the phony precept behind the war on terror and we're going to be talking to him specifically about some interesting work he's done confronting uh, michael Shermer, the so-called skeptic so i'm very much looking forward to that conversation and then on wednesday night we've got a uh, paul grignon who is again a canadian I, i'm not doing this on purpose honest it's just That's the way it is. Um, Paul Greenon is the man behind Money as Debt, which a lot of people know as an excellent starter documentary for starting to understand the the economic system that we've been placed into and how to change that. And he has a new uh, documentary that probably a lot of people don't know about yet, which is Money as Debt 3. So um, I suggest people find a copy of that in the next couple of days. We're going to have him on for an in-depth discussion about the monetary system and then uh on Thursday night we have uh Lieutenant Eric Shine who's also of course a host on Republic Broadcasting on Saturday nights. He'll be on to talk about his case. So all of that coming up later this week and let's take a short break and we'll be, be- back right after these messages. Bye. Welcome back, my friends. Welcome back to the inaugural edition of Corbett Report Radio, our very first time ever on the air here on Republic Broadcasting. So thank you to all of the people who made this possible from Republic Broadcasting, and of course our good friends at KHFX 1140 AM, and everyone around the world who's listening. I'd like to end tonight's uh, broadcast with uh, an excellent editorial uh, reflecting on this uh, this Halloween. Well, it's Halloween, why not? Let's reflect on the real meaning of what uh, we're celebrating or uh, participating in tonight. And uh, this comes from BoilingFrogsPost.com, of course, uh, Sabelle Edmonds, FBI whistleblower. She wrote an excellent editorial last night, Halloween for the Children of the Nations of Mighty Oil, when a boogeyman and a ruthless coward become one. Here comes another Halloween. It's that time of year when the children of our nation concoct imaginary ghosts, monsters, and boogeymen and take joy in confronting the made-up, scary characters and symbols. It's a game of pseudo-scare. Everyone knows it. The ones too little to understand have it explained by their parents and older siblings. It's the annual ritual of the pretend game, of pretend scare. It's the hidden scare pleasure button, semi-pushed by a fictional charade of fictional characters, ghosts, monsters, and boogeymen. The generic ghosts are given generic faces. Nameless and anonymous, fictional men are boogeymen. It is our Halloween. What if this Halloween was exported to other parts of the world where horror and atrocities are woven into the people's lives? What if this ritual was adopted by the children of the war-torn nations? What if these children who have been seeing, hearing, and experiencing daily horrors and fear were to concoct their own Halloween characters? Would they solely rely on imaginary and made-up monsters and boogeymen, or would they designate real-life boogeymen as their Halloween characters and symbols? I think the children of war-torn countries with mighty oil, or the kids in the nations on the mighty oil path, would not have to resort to a concocted fictional and generic boogeyman. You see, they have known, seen, or heard of a real one, their boogeyman would have a name and a face. He'd be known for his ritualistic map-combing, where he'd bend over a map, run his fingers over the page, while humming, "Eeny, meeny, mighty oil, get that country by sheer force, if it fights back, fry by drone, Eeny, meeny, mighty oil. He'd keep humming until his finger, remotely controlled by the shadowy powers behind him, would come to a halt, on top of a nation, the chosen one for his coming round. If you happen to be one of the children in that nation, well then may God help you, because no one else can. The boogeyman with a name and a face would be coming after you with his manless extension. He'd be frying babies and mothers without having to hear the sound of their sizzling skin. His manless-driven bombs would be hitting hitting unknown children at dinner tables or in bed. Why manless? Well, because it would take a certain type of man, a rare kind, to do it in person, to be able to stand the sound of those sizzling skins or the screams of the frying mother and her child, and keep doing it that manless is how it is done, and when a boogeyman and a ruthless coward become one. And this kind of a coward boogeyman with a face and a name is far scarier than any boogeyman that could be concocted by any fiction. Just ask the children of the chosen Eenie, Meenie, Mighty Oil Nations. They'd tell you. Once again, a very, very powerful editorial from Cybele Edmonds at BoilingFrogsPost.com, who I'm honored to be associated with my my Boiling Frogs Post video, the eye-opener report on a weekly basis. So, I suggest people take a moment to reflect on this uh, Halloween evening with all of the fun and revelry and silliness going on, that there are very serious and real boogeymen in this world, and they're not what we're told they are. So... We can have our fun, and we can do silly things and take fun and part in games and fun from time to time, but we also have to be focused on striking out and naming the real boogeymen who are out to get us and our freedoms. And on that note, I'm going to leave you here today with this final word on the Corbett Report Radio for the first episode, reminding you to keep outrage and conviction in your heart. That's all for today. Thank you for joining me. And see you again next week. Sorry, see you again tomorrow.